Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Napa know-how. At Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers, get a $25 prepaid Visa card when you get any Napa automotive battery. It's the best deal for some of the best batteries from some of the best car people around. But we might be a little partial. Anywho, pick up any Napa automotive battery and save 25 bucks. Do it yourself or have it done for you. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers. While supplies last, offer ends 83120. Shop Black Friday week deals Sunday through Friday at Kohl's. Plus, get $15 Kohl's cash for every $50 spent. And take an extra 15% off. Get the big one throws, $8.49. Toastmaster small appliances are just $2.14 after rebate. And Fitbit Versa 2 is $129.99. Plus, take 30% off Lego, 70% off fine jewelry, and save on boots for her, $16.99. Plus, get fast and free store pickup. Shop Black Friday week deals at Kohl's and Kohl's.com. Select styles. Office valid November 22nd through the 27th. 15% off with promo code ENJOY15. Lego and Fitbit offers and coupons do not apply. Some exclusions apply. See store or Kohl's.com for details. Welcome back to Movie Talk. We are covering the demise of Hellboy at the box office. On top of that, brand new Star Wars trailer. We're going to talk about it right here. And on top of that, there's also another trailer for a Netflix movie called The Perfection. And, ooh, boy, I can't wait to discuss that one with the horror lover on the set, John Roca, of course. You're so excited for The Perfection. I can't wait. Uh, (laughs) Bugs coming out of my saliva. Sign me up. I love it. Let's do it. That's a great tease. Haley, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm fantastic. Thank you. How are you? Hanging in? Yeah, yeah. I'm surprised I'm still awake at this point. Somehow, uh, it was me, Dorian, and Makuga, I think, were the only three to get out of Chicago and make it back to L.A. on Sunday. And thankfully, that happened, because that means I get to be here and do movie talk with you guys. We have so much to cover today. And, of course, it's a Monday, so we kick it off with our box office report. And, uh, yeah, there were some disappointments this time around. Hellboy was a pretty big disappointment for Lionsgate. It only made $12 million, and that's with the studio expecting it to earn 17 to $20 million. And what makes matters even worse for that movie is it only got a C on CinemaScore, so I'm basically not betting on that movie being around for a while. On top of that, another big bummer here is Laika's Missing Link didn't even crack the top five. It wound up in ninth place, and it only made $5.9 million with a very, very low $1,700 per theater average. On the other end of things, though, we have Little, which wound up opening up at number one, made $15.4 million. And then, of course, we can't not mention Shazam, which held strong in the top spot, made another $24.5 million. Roka, yeah. let's go back to Hellboy on this one. Okay. What happened with this movie? Is it just a matter of the movie maybe not being received well by fans and by critics? Or is it something else at play here? Maybe Lionsgate misunderstood the desire for another Hellboy movie. You know, you look at Guillermo del Toro. The second movie opened higher than the first movie. That's pretty surprising when you look at these kind of superhero films that are not necessarily attached to a larger universe like Hellboy. Uh, So to see it come out this way, you don't have Ron Perlman coming back. David Harbour is not a name that will sell feature films at this point. Certainly TV shows, absolutely Stranger Things and so many other things. Fantastic actor. I just don't think there was enough 
behind this thing that people were super into it and the box office shows it plus the reviews were terrible the c cinema score doesn't help all those things i think in combination just did not help people come out to see this movie and it's unfortunate because this is a great property and mignola who created hellboy said this is the closest version to my version of hellboy that i've ever seen on screen and script so that's disappointing i just wonder if this is a like what if guillermo sees this does he go does it tempt him to come back or does he go good i'm glad i didn't walk back into this situation because they wouldn't do let him do a third one because he wanted more money or the i have budget a hard higher. time thinking that guillermo will have any sort of like a negative reaction right, to right. this he'll, pro- nice he'll probably be genuinely sad for them and i yeah. know you know it's easy to say oh whatever the movie sucked anyway or something like that but a whole lot of people did put a lot of time and effort into this and they wanted to make it something great and sometimes those good intentions just don't pan out i think this was the case here i also think what you said about Mm. you know lionsgate not really appropriately gauging the temperature of the room and the desire for another hellboy movie i think that came into play here but i think what really did the movie in Mm. was the, the piss poor reviews yeah it wasn't just that it got some negative buzz leading up to the release. It got slammed when that embargo lifted. So I was telling Haley earlier, I had to file my regular box office predictions a little early because we were leaving town for Chicago. Mm-hmm. So I locked mine, set them in stone before the embargo lifted, knowing that I didn't really love the movie. Yeah. When that embargo lifted and that Rotten Tomato score went up, I'm like, well, crap. My predictions are going to be hardcore wrong. Right. And sure enough, I was... But, you know, not way off, but I was pretty off there. So. Well, it's, it's crazy, too, because the audience score is, what, 63%, 64% versus, like, what, the uh, critic score, which is, like, 15%. I don't know if I'm if you can uh, source me on that one, I, Perry, I but I, I think that's what I saw because some people were tweeting about it over the weekend in a way yeah. to kind of, like, backwards support Hellboy, people going to see Hellboy, that the fans are enjoying, but the critics didn't like. Once again, this, this <laughs> new narrative that has critics versus fans in superhero films... I wonder if people were trying to kind of push that narrative to try to get more people in the theater for Hellboy. I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to go see it. God love, God forgive me. I'm going to go see it. I love cheesy superhero films. We'll see if it's any damn good. I'd be curious to know what you think. Yeah, I probably will hate it, but I've got to give it a shot and see it's what happens. It's got a 15% on the tomato meter and right. an audience score of 63%. Yeah, yeah. surprising. Yeah. Um, Haley, one, what make you of Hellboy and how it did this weekend? And then also, we have to work Shazam into the conversation uh-huh. because... Yet another weekend up top, number one. Were you surprised that it fell just, I think it was 53%? Yeah, so Hellboy, I I definitely think that Lionsgate misjudged the interest in the franchise. And I think it's one of those scenarios where you have a, a pretty devoted but smaller fan base who maybe creates like a a bigger noise than what the general public is clamoring for uh and uh, certainly the reviews didn't help but also just like i always think of like my friends and family outside of our community and if i get any you know feeling from them that they have any buzz or even know that a movie's coming out which a lot of times they don't you ask them, Hellboy, what? What's that? <laughs> uh, so that just, it, it didn't have the buzz. For for Shazam, that's pretty pretty darn good. I mean, 53 is on the higher end for the DCU film so far, and, or the lower end, I guess yeah, you yeah, would yeah. say, in terms of drop-off. Mm. With uh, Aquaman had an insane one. 
That was only 27% if you count pre-sale tickets, which right. is just bananas. Yeah. Wonder Woman had 45%. And then the, the rest of them are more in the high 50s up to 60s range in terms of percentage of drop-off. So this is a great performance mm-hmm. for Shazam, especially because it's not Wonder Woman. It's not Superman. Mm. It, it's a hero that, again, thinking of that base outside of our community that people might not be as familiar with. I'm curious to see what happens with Endgame coming out soon. If what winds up happening is Endgame's entry to the box office just completely, you know, obliterates Shazam's competition, or if the difficulty of getting Endgame tickets mm. will have, you know, a little bit of a mm. spillover effect. But I don't know. I, I'm clearly invested in Shazam right now. I want to see it have super long legs. So I was hoping for a little bit of a smaller drop than this, but it's still a solid amount. Glad to see it back on top again. Mm. Before we even get to Endgame, though, we have to look forward to this weekend, and we have a brand new horror release. It is The Curse of La Llorona. I'm going to bet you're interested in this one. I am. Are uh, you yeah, see it? It's a Spanish horror, so to me, I'm interested in it. Uh, I did some voiceover work for Crypt TV to promote uh, La Llorona, so that's pretty fun. That was pretty fun. So I got to get some knowledge of what goes on in the film, so I'm excited to see it. I hope it works. Only also because Linda Cardellini. I really love Linda Cardellini, mm-hmm. and I'd like to get her a hit so people could start booking her in more things. I know she's Hawkeye's wife in Avengers and all that, but like I'd like to see her do more work. She's an incredible actress. So to me, I'm excited. Let's see how it goes. I'm totally gonna go. I didn't go to any pre-screening because I want to go and see it in a, in a theater on opening night or the, uh, the next night and, and see if I have any fun. I don't run out to see all the horror. No, films. you don't. But something like this can speak my language, so I'm excited. What do you think, Haley? How much is this going to open with? Especially hot on the heels of Pet Cemetery, mm. also. Yeah, that's uh, hard to say because, again, not to just go off of my gut feeling on Buzz all the time, but really <laughs> it seems to be one that there's not a ton yeah. around. Yep. Mm-hmm. That said, I didn't think there was a ton around The Nun, and that blew up and became mm. the highest grossing film of the franchise. So it. I think this is a wild card, to be perfectly yeah. honest. Like my my guess would be somewhere above the twenty million range okay. in that sphere. But who knows? Because the nun did freaking fifty. Like nobody yeah. saw that coming. Yeah, yeah. And it's uh it's an emergency out there. They gotta get to La Llorona. But I, it does have uh, sort of as you just demonstrated because you're not a horror guy, but no. you want to see it. It has mm-hmm. a big cultural pull for mm-hmm. a lot of people, and it is a very well known legend. So it's it is that kind of wild card where it could go either way. Yeah, I'm betting on roughly 20 million, maybe yeah. even a little under it. I do think the fact that Hellboy so severely underperformed yeah. is actually going to help it because it's almost like other than Shazam, there was a little bit of a lull at the box office. Mm. and that usually means more opportunity for something to follow. But then again, when we think about the large majority of people out there who are only seeing a couple movies a year, with Endgame coming up right after, I wonder if that's going to make just about everything suffer this weekend. It could, but I also I don't know that Endgame is necessarily targeting the specific audience of the people who save up their money once a year to go see something like La Llorona, you know, or every few times a year. Right. That might be higher on their list. Not that they won't go see Endgame. Mm-hmm. I'm just not sure that it's a question of like, whereas it might have been, do I see Shazam or Endgame? I'm yeah. not sure people are going La Llorona or Endgame. I'm just picturing yeah. like the box office version of like you know when you get like a big wave and like all the water gets sucked yeah. out first yeah. and then you get it that's, that's what I'm picturing happening it at the box office this weekend. <laughs> I don't know we're going to have to wait and see and then uh, you can bet when Endgame comes out we're going to have a lot of fun predicting oh those numbers mm. alright the next story on our list is another big one so obviously 
actually, uh, I just got back from Star Wars Celebration. A whole bunch of our team is still there. One of the big pieces of news to drop out of Star Wars Celebration was the very first trailer and title now for Star Wars Episode 9, now it is called The Rise of Skywalker. Actually, I don't think anyone on this table right now has shared their thoughts on Mm. the trailer on the channel yet. Not on the channel, no. All right, well, let's go around here. Haley, what's your initial reaction to watching it for the very first time? Uh, It was positive. I mean, chaotic because we were working Mm -hmm. and doing news breakouts, so I don't think I got to fully enjoy it the way, like, if you're just at home watching it, it was like, oh, God, we need to write about that and that. Okay, and that. So my reaction was stressful but excited. (laughs) Okay. Uh, It made me excited that there were so many things that we immediately pinpointed that were worth talking about. I love the shot of Ray doing her super flippy flip. That really gave me some feels. I love the shot of just Kylo throwing down like a beast in the battlefield. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of a lot of details in there I'm very excited for. I was interested. The look is more almost prequely. The the color palette is is more in line with the prequel mm-hmm. films than even maybe than The Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. Um there was there was just a lot that was really interesting to me, but overall I feel very, you know, excited. To get into theories here really quickly just because you brought it up, that scene at the beginning of the trailer with Ray doing her little flippy flip thing. Yeah. I mean, do you think that's that's reality or is it, you know, something a little more, you know, out of this world like a vision, projection, something along those lines? Well, it has a connection to remember Yoda flipping around in the prequels in that mm-hmm. fight with uh, Dooku and he so it's certainly possible for a Jedi to flip around in that way. So, but it adds more fuel to the fire of people who are like, "How is Rey this powerful so quickly?" Right. all this kind of stuff, but Get over it. Accept it. She is that. And it's such a badass shot. My question is, who's in there? Right, yeah. That's the thing. Because it's not Kylo's ship. So people are like, well, who would be in there? You wonder. With the gloves and everything like yeah. that. Who is who's, that? Who's in there, I think, yeah. is a very big question. Because it does not look like his ship no, anymore. Like, and I don't mean just like a little bit of a touch-up or a slight right. paint job. It looks seriously different. But also you just brought up, you know, it's, it's the rise of Skywalker. But right. is the Skywalker we're talking about? about even Ray because there's a lot of options here now. Uh, yeah, I mean I would think you know people were saying that and I'm like if you hand me Ray for the first two movies and then you switch it around and make it about Kylo mm-hmm. at the end and his redemption in 2019, if you do that with a female lead to subjugate her to push the male lead, like I just, I think you would explode the world. It doesn't make any sense to me at all. Ray is the one we want, and that's what I loved about the trailer. And I, I tweeted this. I said, "Finally, this is Ray's story. Not all this confounding subplots and muddled. This is Ray's story." And I was so, so excited coming out of the trailer. Lando laughing. I'm telling you this. I was five years old. Mm-hmm. Like Lando laughing again made me like I was so ha- almost mm-hmm. like it was almost like Chewie were home. It was almost comparable to that moment for me. Uh, it was great to see that. What is the Death Crash Death Star? Where are they? Palpatine's laugh. There's so much here, but she is in charge. She is leading this team once and for all, not spread all over the place. Leading the team. What's going to happen? That's exciting. And the medal is interesting. Mm-hmm. Kylo putting his helmet back together again is interesting. What does that mean? So there's so much throughout this. But Ray is the focus, and Ray has to be the focus. And I don't. I. I. She's a sky. I. I think there's a possibility that she's a Skywalker, and if she's not a Skywalker, Skywalker becomes 
becomes the new Jedi. Yeah, that's the one that I'm yeah. drawn towards. Also, as someone who really does love The Last Jedi, I would hate to see that work undone. Which yeah. it, it does look to some extent like there will be uh, distancing, at least, if, yeah. if not some reversals. But um, And I, I agree that it would be a bad idea to not make it Ray's story in the end. Not... Well, it would be a bad business decision at this point to make it a male story instead of a female story. Right, that but he's that's, the Skywalker rising. Yeah. Right. That's not really what would frustrate me about it. I, it'd be more that that's just a weird and wonky way to tell a story mm-hmm. and build a tri- trilogy. But I love the the sort of growing, it seems to be the most, most popular theory growing at this point, that it's it's the term for the new sort of after the Jedi come yeah. the Skywalker. Well, when yeah. he says at the beginning, you know, you're the combination of everything. Yes. And I would say one last thing, Perry. I know you, uh, one last thing is, uh, you know, to you, it, it felt like this, the prequels, to me, it felt like the original trilogy. Like the most, it felt like the most Lucas-like Star Wars we've seen of these three films. And I... I I was in love with the look of it, and I'm like, this is what I've been waiting uh, two other films to see. And although I love Force Awakens, and I I can defend some of Last Jedi, this feels, if it keeps this vibe, this feels like a Lucas-type film, and that made me very happy. I just want to clarify, I don't mean that as a pejorative. No, no, I, I'm I not the biggest fan of the prequels, yeah. but I'm in no way saying, like, it looks like trash, like the prequels. I'm just saying mm. that the color palettes and the, the way the action was shot, to yeah. me, that's what it evoked. Mm-hmm. All these wonderful comments, and yet no one has mentioned D.O. What's wrong with you, sir? <laughs> I mean, it's probably no surprise that that's a big standout element to me. And, I, you know, I know it sounds a little silly, but I'll never forget seeing the very first shot ever of BB-8. And, you know, it had the intended effect on me. I'm like... I need that. And then I saw BB-8 in the movie. I'm like, wow, he's not just a super cute droid. He actually does stuff that matters. So I'm hoping that Dio is incorporated in a way that matters as well. But with the title... My head is going in a million different directions, similar to, you know, the conversations we have about theories regarding Endgame now, but um, I think that it's going to have nothing to do with Rey and or Kylo as individuals. I'm liking the idea that it's almost like the new, like the new term to describe, like the Jedi, the light side of the Force, something along those lines, but I also keep thinking about the fact that, like, Force Awakens, a lot of it was about Han Solo's journey. Then we had Last Jedi with Luke, and I know Carrie Fisher is no longer with us, but they said that they've managed to repurpose some of the material that they shot for the previous movies, and also they were able to write scenes around that. I do wonder if there's a way to tie Rise of Skywalker into Leia's journey somehow, because Mm -hmm. that would be such an emotional... I don't really know from a story perspective how you achieve that, especially when they weren't able to shoot new material with her, but God, could you imagine if we end in a place where just, you know, the importance of Leia as maybe even a Force user herself or someone being Force sensitive mm-hmm. is just if it rises to such a level of an of importance that, I don't know, her, her vibe kind of wind, winds up radiating throughout the franchise even after the Skywalker saga ends. I would love that. I mean, it's... An interesting thing because she never was the character most affiliated with the Force or any of mm. that. But I... I I really, really would pay a significant, or whatever my version of significant is, amount of money to see what their original plans were had she not passed. And and where, you know, how, what we're going to end up with 
parallels it or is completely different. Like it's such a mm. mystery we don't know. And I, I, you know, my heart kind of hurts for the truest version of the story that we never get. Mm-hmm. But I hope, and I, I feel confident just based on that tiny little clip because it was so effective that they found something functional. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I like it. Also. I do. I, I believe that they're going to pull this off. Yeah, I like it too. I like that. It's a good point you bring up, Perry, because the, co- I mean, the correlative, Ray and Leia, both very strong women pursuing their goals in a way that aren't necessarily about the force. Like it's something else that they're pursuing. Something bigger is their goal. And I like that maybe Ray, ha- or maybe Leia has been training Ray all this time since Luke passed at the end of Last Jedi passed at the end of Last Jedi maybe Leia's been training her this whole time and so because they said well there's been rumors that time has passed by the time this movie starts Mm -hmm. and so if it has she's been trained so she's carrying on the legacy she's got Han's she's got the blaster rather that Han gave her she's got the the there's a western shot for you yeah that's right I love that and then she's got the medallion maybe it's Leia holding the medallion giving it to Rey Mm -hmm. as the last thing so that Rey carries all the lessons of the Skywalkers forward and I think that's that would be incredible I do wonder if they can even incorporate Incorporate Anakin with that in mind also Surely. because I know there was a rumor yep. going around that he could return and I mean given the fact that Palpatine is back yeah I mean being in that room so being in the room for the episode 9 panel the entire time of course I'm very excited to hear any bit of information I can but like the panel was coming to an end and I'm thinking to myself you guys haven't owned Star Wars celebration mm-hmm. yet what is that mic drop moment then they start playing the trailer and when that laugh happened yeah. at the end I think that was one of the the closest I came to actually like crying wow. it was yeah. such a weird re- and it's such a weird reaction to have to something so sinister like that but then on top of that when the trailer stopped <laughs> because you know people know whose laugh that is but yeah. you could think a million different things come up with a million and one different theories as to why we're hearing it in that moment is he really back or is he not to have ian mcdermott come out on stage and then when he just says roll it again yeah. the room lost it to the point that you could just feel the energy and feel the excitement and just radiating through the crowd. That is a convention moment I don't think I will ever forget in my entire life. It was just as powerful watching it on the live stream uh, on in the comfort of my hotel room on my laptop, seeing, hearing the laugh, you're alone by yourself screaming, and then when he comes out, he was like, oh, this confirmation... And, you know, Christian is now validating that the emperor was going to come back. A lot of people were like, you're crazy. It's not going to happen. Now he's possibly back. We don't know. As you said, Perry, we don't know what form he's in. And people are like, well, does that mean Luke could come back? And I've I've been pushing back. People going, no, a Sith Lord would be desperate to hold on to life. A Jedi would trust everyone that he had trained or she had trained underneath them to carry the legacy. I don't see Luke coming back in the same way that Palpatine might come back. I don't think I don't think he would come back in the same way, in the same exact way. I mean, we have the force ghost type. Stuff sure. so you know you hear some of the dialogue from him and you want you wonder if they're going to incorporate that in a flashback right. or if it's a force ghost type of situation right. but I don't know with the with the emperor I just now have a feeling that that is going to completely change Snoke's story and that he is he's kind of a, a force that you mm-hmm. know from some of the material that's preceded uh, this film like he can just inhabit and control other things and other bodies and i know there's there's you control them through like different items yep. too there, there's ways to bring him back mm-hmm. that make a lot of sense to me and completely change the game and the the shot of them going back to the death star also has mm-hmm. like a million different ideas going through my head because like what are they trying to achieve there mm-hmm. what are they looking for and 
oh, I can't. Like, this is this is the kind of teaser trailer I love, mm-hmm. where one, every single shot in this trailer is stunning to look at and makes you feel something just based on how the visual is constructed. And two, I would probably go as far to say that almost every single shot in the trailer also makes you think of something yeah. or try to figure out something story-wise without, clearly, without spoiling anything, because we clearly do not have any idea which direction the series is going to head in for the ending now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm so excited to see what happens with Kylo Ren, uh, being that we have now this other great mm-hmm. evil coming in, and if they're going with a redemptive arc, mm-hmm. how far they're going to take it. You're not into the redemption. No redemption. He (laughs) is an evil son of a bee. Take care of business. Finish him off and move on. I think he's going to dial deeper into the emperor stuff. I think to connect to his grandfather. I think it's going to be. He is reforging his helmet. The helmet. And when he said, a lot of people are saying maybe he wasn't talking to Vader. Maybe he was talking to the emperor when he's talking to the helmet and saying, I'm going to finish what you started. Maybe he's talking to Palpatine. And so that. Well, just as many people are theorizing that he's the one training with Ray when she's doing the backflip, I think that's just hopeful thinking. They really want them to smash. Shipping him, (laughs) shipping them. It's very, it's troubling how attractive he is for how damaged he is. Like I think most women go like, "This isn't good that I feel this way." Mm -hmm. So I hope they don't pursue that. (laughs) I hope they don't pursue that. I hope they don't pursue pursue the redemption arc either Mm. i based on where we left kylo in last jedi even though i'm i think they did some interesting things with the character in terms of his arc in that movie but i'm left in a place where i don't see how kylo can operate within the story in a satisfying way without something guiding him you know Mm -hmm. like i don't want to see a a third movie in this trilogy with him just kind of like going around however he pleases trying to you know wreak havoc on the galaxy or something he needs he needs something to be pulling him forward and i think that in this case it's going to be the emperor yeah Oh, boy. Guess what? We're not done talking about uh, Star Wars right now. But I do have to remind you, we're going to take your live Twitter questions at the end of the show. Send them in using the hashtag Collider Movie Talk. All right. Rolling into story number three now. This is yet another Star Wars story, and it's an update. So recently, as in last week, we had Disney CEO Bob Iger reveal that after Skywalker, the films are going to be taking a little bit of a hiatus. But when the movies are back, they're probably going to come back strong. Because while speaking to EW, Kathleen Kennedy said the following. We're not just looking at what the next three movies might be or talking about this in terms of a trilogy. We're looking at what is the next decade of storytelling. So Kathleen Kennedy said that the creative brain trust behind these movies are going to be mapping out a strategy. And central to that strategy are a new film series from Ryan Johnson and also Game of Thrones showrunners David Benioff and D.B. Weiss. They were all hired separately, but Kennedy also told EW that they're actually working together to plan out the future of the franchise. She said as they finish Game of Thrones, they're going to segue into Star Wars. They're working very closely with Ryan. All right. First, backing up a little to the hiatus. Haley, do you think that's a good idea? Were you surprised that Iger had said that? Mm, Yes, good idea. No, not surprised. I think that it's natural, given the course that this franchise has taken since Disney brought it back and how the response has been across the board, that there's uh, wise to take some time to now plan your next leg out more than you planned out the first Mm -hmm. one. Uh, 
and I think Disney, having seen how well that works in the MCU, is it's not surprising that they'd go, hey, maybe we try that instead of the Breaking Bad method, where we just kind of do it as we go along. Um, I think it's not going to be a super long hiatus, because there's a lot of money in Star Wars, and they already have these people writing them, and by saying there's a hiatus, they get to immediately amp up the hype surrounding um, the next one, why I always want to call it The Skywalker instead of The Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> um, Rise of The Skywalker. You'll have to check my articles for typos all the time. Um, but I, I think that that instantly generates like a lot more interest because it's like, oh, well, it's the last one you're going to get for a while, so you better savor mm-hmm. it and show up. It's smart. It's smart across the board. It doesn't surprise me. I think it's just the right thing to do. I figured they were going to do this as well, but I, you know, it made me happy to hear you just say that it's not going to be that long of a hiatus because it really it shouldn't be. I mean, and it's also it's not like we're in the position right now, even though who knows what could be going on behind closed doors, where we have more than just the Mandalorian coming to Disney Plus. Mm-hmm. It's like if the Mandalorian is going strong between Episode Nine and whatever comes next in the film franchise, yeah, I'll be happy, but. I need that entire gap filled. Mm. And I have a feeling a lot of other people out there are going to want that gap filled. And, you know, I know there's still, there's comics, there's books, there's the, the Clone Wars series, you name it. There's a lot of other material out there. But I do think there's a significant amount of the crowd that specifically goes movies and then oh, yeah. maybe factoring Mandalorian in at this point. So right. I just, I hope they close that gap pretty quickly. Roka, I'm curious what you make of this idea of the Game of Thrones showrunners working with Ryan Johnson Mm -hmm. because I think maybe it's a sign that even if they are developing separate trilogies, maybe from a story perspective, they could be connected. Yeah, you know, it's surprising to me. I've been one of those people who's been saying that they're they were going to eventually move Ryan off those tril- that trilogy, but this is Kathleen doubling down, and I, uh, Kathleen Kennedy doubling. I don't even like I call her Kathleen. Kathleen Kennedy <laughs> doubling down, and Ms. Kennedy. I think when she got signed to that um, to that extension, I think that was Lucasfilm saying to her. This is your baby with our help. Create what you want to create. And I think what you're finishing out with this trilogy is the end of the old stuff. Skywalker, all of that is now done. This is what she was really hired to do was to take Star Wars into the future. She's Benioff and Weiss is a great choice. Ryan Johnson, it will be interesting to see how this plays out now in light of how people felt about Last Jedi, both positive and negative. But them, work, them all working together does absolutely mean that, I, in my opinion, does absolutely mean that they, these stories will be connected in some way. Whether there will be multiple generations in between them, I don't know. But certainly they'll be connected in some way. So a new mythology, a new lore, new characters will be created. And Kathleen Kennedy is a fantastic producer. So here on this side of things, maybe this has been her plan all along. Pay homage to the old stuff. Get rid of the old stuff. Now let's move forward with a bunch of new stuff going. And I, and I think she's the right person to go forward with feeling I'm going to make a bold prediction now and say that Ryan Johnson does not make his movies and he winds up serving as more of, you know, maybe we could throw in the term producer or executive producer, but more of a creative consultant wow. over okay. overseeing along with Kathleen Kennedy. So this is, this is the way I felt, but now I thought, but now I'm on the other side of the fence and you're on that side. Interesting. Okay. The, the hiatus thing also kind of, you know, tips me off too, mm-hmm. where I don't know if they're 
If they weren't taking that long of a break, I think I would feel more encouraged of the likelihood of them going full steam ahead, trying to make as much as possible mm. with hopefully some good direction here. But the fact that they're they're pressing pause, so to speak, and really focusing on the future of the franchise, I just I just have a feeling that he's going to wind up being a creative consultant for maybe like the architecture of the full franchise going mm. forward and he's around for a long long time but i don't know i just don't see both of these trilogies happening and if i had to put my money on one it would firmly be sure. on benioff and weiss's yeah if i had to pick one that's most likely to happen it's definitely theirs i mean just look mm. at the numbers from game of thrones last night they're they're juggernaut creators right yeah. now coming off of the biggest success of their careers mm-hmm. i think it's an interesting duo though because both are <laughs> sort of storytellers that are into subversion, which is kind of mm. what got Ryan Johnson in a lot of yeah. trouble in the first place. But Game of Thrones is a franchise built on subverting classic fantasy tropes. Now, they didn't come up with it. It's George R. R. Martin's story. But clearly, they were drawn to the material. Mm. That's fascinating to me, that they're leaning into this sort of trio of people that have built a career out of subverting expectations. Mm-hmm. Because that's not what you'd expect based on the reaction of The Last Jedi. However... That, I think, is important to remember, was a very successful film financially, has a lot of people who truly do love it, Mm -hmm. and maybe in the future, not every single Star Wars film has to be for every single Star Wars fan. Like, I can envision a future, (laughs) truly, in which they appeal, God forbid, to different demographics, different films, you know? Not Mm -hmm. everything has to be for everyone. I don't know if they'll go that direction, but certainly... That was a big problem because so far these trilogy films are so wrapped up in nostalgia in people's hearts. Moving forward, maybe they can do different things that appeal to different people. I watched Rogue One on the plane back home, and I love Rogue One. And it is so not what the other trilogies were. And that's what I thought the the Star Wars stories were going to be. And I love that movie. It is so different. And if this is what Benioff and Weiss and what Ryan, if if he finishes his trilogy, if this is what they're going for, I want more of this, right? Why has the superhero genre not been overexposed, not oversaturated? Why? Because they've kept push they've kept pushing the boundaries of what can be a superhero movie. Star Wars now must also do the same thing. It cannot only be tied to this original trilogy or prequel trilogy or this story. It must spread its wings and see how far it can go and take chances. And I'm when I was against Kathleen Kennedy, now I'm excited about her being in this situation because we'll see now. And this is a great a pair. I, I mean, uh, Haley, I didn't think about the subversive nature of this. These three together. This is an interesting chances, <laughs> chance that she is taking with a large franchise. Well, now that the uh, episode nine promo campaign, so to speak, is officially underway, I guess. I imagine we're going to be hearing a lot more real soon. More oh, promo yeah. material in the near future. Probably more quotes from Bob Iger and Kathleen Kennedy. You name it. We'll be covering it all. We got one more topic to hit today, and this is going to be Roka's favorite topic. It's the new trailer for The Perfection. This is a new Netflix release, and it stars Allison Williams as a troubled musical prodigy who seeks out the new star pupil of her former school, only for the encounter to turn sinister to shocking results. This one is going to be released on Netflix on May 24th. Roka, I can't not go to you first. What did you think of this? I, it was scared the hell out of me. So I, It felt a little bit like Get Out too, and of course Allison, mm-hmm. but also the, the that, score. The score, yeah. I was just going to say that. But I like this was quick. What, hour and ten? I mean, a minute and ten seconds or a minute and fifteen seconds. I like that. I got enough out of it that I'm like, this is going to be a mind trip. If I do this, I better watch with all the lights on because it'll scare the crap out of me. But Allison Williams 
is so fantastic. That face of hers is so built for this kind of genre in the way it works. You know, oh, it's fine. Well, you know what you have to do. And like <laughs> all of that is, to me, excited me. I saw Get Out with Alice Williams sitting behind us randomly at the Arclight. And we, like, it was like six of us, and we were squirming in our seats throughout the whole film of Get Out. As we get up, we turn around, and she's standing there. We're oh, like, no. oh, my God. And she's there with, I think B.J. Novak was there with her. And she said to us, she, uh, we were like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. We were, we were apologizing because we were so just like into the movie. And she goes, oh, my God, I loved watching it through you guys' eyes. And so she made a fan out of me through that interaction. And so this looks like another step in her career as she starts to move forward into feature, being more and more feature films. Even though it's a Netflix film, it still feels like a feature film. And this is exciting. I can't wait to watch this. This is this yeah. is definitely my kind of thing, and I can't even begin to tell you how many times I've tried to look up runtimes for movies, and I've seen the trailer runtime, and I've been like, oh, it's like an hour and like thir- <laughs> and thirty minutes, or like two hours and two minutes, something <laughs> like. Anyway. This thing, I think, looks great. I think they made the most of every second of mm. screen time they had with this. It's so unsettling. And also the structure that it gives the piece when you work it into that one scene with the two of them. And just like uh, her, Logan Browning, is that? Mm-hmm. Um, I believe that's her name. I'm going to double check it now. But as she kind of starts to deteriorate in that scene and you get those quick cuts to other parts of like their life and what they go through, it's just, you know, it kind of like knocks you off your feet. It's very, very unsettling. And the fact that, like, I don't know what the heck is happening. It freaks me out even more. I think this is a great start for this one. Yeah, I'm very, very excited for this film. It played one screening only at Fantastic Fest last year, which I did not make it to. And everybody who went had just the strongest reaction. Some people were super positive on it, like, you're going to love this movie. It's the craziest thing. And some people were like, hated it, (laughs) which always makes me very excited. That, to me, says you've made an exciting film. Uh, And it's... It's one that I I really have been advised, like, don't learn anything about it. Go in blind. So I kind of watched this trailer through, like, you know, my eyes not wanting to see it. Uh, But it's what I did catch (laughs) was very uh, well composed in the sense that having been told you should try to avoid any details, I still don't feel like I know what this movie's about. I did the opposite of you, and I watched it again, and then I started a freeze frame and tried oh, to figure no. out who was in each. <laughs> I can't help it. It's like, especially when it's a good trailer that really sucks me in and encourages me to like be curious about what I'm about to experience. It's almost like instinctual to go back and try to put the pieces together. But I, yeah. I, I, I would advise you, I you not to, because everybody I talked to was like, whether they loved it or hate it, they were like, you have no idea where this thing's going. Goes back to what you were saying before, the idea of like loving, a, loving or hating a movie and having a different response from everybody across the board it just like it makes it more exciting and it probably hints at more daring storytelling and could you imagine how boring this industry would be if we all loved and hated the same stuff Mm. yeah Uh, we'd be out of jobs probably (laughs) and this is interesting director with the matador and uh uh, dom hemingway yeah which uh, i saw again three or four weeks ago on one of the pay channels that's a very unusual film certainly so and and so is the matador which was kinnear and uh, pierce brosnan's fantastic film so if he brings that kind of sensibility to this it's all the more exciting because he does not stick within the boundaries of a genre. You know what I'm saying? This is exciting to me, too, that it did ultimately end up on Netflix, which I don't believe it was at when it went to Fantastic Mm. Fest. I think it was still free and they picked it up maybe there. But uh, I love that a film that is sort of 
getting this kind of reaction, whether it's out of early screenings or people responding to the trailer, is something that we're all going to be able to talk about and respond to together mm-hmm. instead of, you know, it's not the movie to talk about what you said earlier, that people would save, you know, their three movie tickets a year to go yeah, see yeah. The Perfection. So I love that we're going to get to experience this insanity together. This is a very, very good point. All right. We got to move on to our plugs for the day. And as always, we've got a lot of them. Tomorrow on the main YouTube channel, you will find Collider Live and a brand new episode of Movie Talk. And then, oh, I think a certain someone, maybe even two people at this table, covered the beginning of Game of Thrones Ooh. Season 8. Can you guys tell everybody where to find your conversation? Uh, I think it's on the Collider Video YouTube yeah. uh, channel there. You can watch us, uh, 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 Haley, me, Ashley Victoria Robinson, and Dennis Zhang breaking down that uh, opening episode. A lot to talk about. There a 50, is. 55 minute episode. So. Getting our nerd on. I no. haven't watched it yet. Oh, yeah. We didn't say anything. I no was spoilers. flying all night. No spoilers. Why would uh, I spoil a brand new episode on Movie Talk, Perry? That <laughs> would be genuinely sinister it behavior. It would be genuinely sinister, True. but I will tell you, I don't think there's anything. One, it is especially miserable sitting on a tarmac for three hours, but it's even more miserable when Game of Thrones is on, and like all I want to do <laughs> oh, is check yeah. Twitter like to pass the time. Right. And oh my, it was like landmines all over the place, and I couldn't even look at Twitter. So yeah. I just stared at the floor. It's great. That's awesome. Um, Roko, what yeah. happened on Sports Time today? Oh, yeah. Uh, today, Collider Sports Time, Josh Bakuga joined me, and we welcomed our special guest, AJ Benza, uh, from Fame Ain't Fame is a Bitch podcast. Very, very knowledgeable guy. A lot of years in the industry. We talked the Tiger Woods victory at the Masters. We talked the NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs, and this Russell situation, Russell Wilson situation that's brewing in Seattle. Go to the Collider Sports YouTube page and the podcast feed to listen to that episode. Trust me, a, the wild man and a wilder man. I, I was uh, holding two wild horses uh, during this episode, so go watch it. And Haley, tomorrow is a brand new witching hour. Ooh. I will pass those duties along to you now. Yes, we have yet another spectacular episode for Obviously. you guys. <laughs> Just my opinion. <laughs> uh, we went in on so many different topics today. We talked about that new American horror story teaser and the sort of slasher 80s vibes, how we feel about it. We talked about one of my personal favorite topics, the underrated horror in Game of Thrones. Very passionate about that subject. (laughs) We talked about the new uh, Netflix series, the Black Summer, which is a zombie series. It's actually pretty good. And Perry shared some of her thoughts on Hellboy. Oh, I did. Yeah. (laughs) You can listen to that there more than what was in our non-spoiler review. All right. We've got time for a single Twitter question today, and I'm going to keep it in the Star Wars realm just to celebrate Star Wars celebration a little more. This one comes from good old Chris Woodburn, who asks, question for Perry, but I want everybody to answer. What did you enjoy most while at Star Wars Celebration? Haley, I want you to go first because I'm mm. curious just from the dot-com perspective with all the work you guys put in, like, like what caught your eye most? What made you the most excited to write about? <laughs> That's a funny question. Oh, no. I, I would not call that day enjoyable. <laughs> <laughs> I guess uh, I was... I, just the trailer was the most exciting thing. It, it was a blast to watch and be a part of and watch everyone respond on Twitter and see those I'm I'm blown away constantly by how fast you guys come up with theories I'm like still processing oh, yeah. my thoughts and the Twitter feed is just hundreds of thousands of theories I don't know how you do it you're amazing <laughs> Roka yep. can I can I like force feed you an answer 
Uh, what do you mean? Because like you were in Chicago I was for in a Chicago, reason yeah. on Thursday. Yeah. So like, why why was your reason to be there, and was it a good reason in the yeah, end? Well, I was there for the top ten show. We did our two shows on Thursday night live, and thanks everybody came out. Almost three hundred people came out for both shows. That was really great. But I watched the I watched the panel, so I was there at Star Wars Celebration. I didn't make it out to the actual convention floor, but I will say this: my favorite part. The, aside from the trailer, was the reaction to Kelly Marie Tran. I think oh, that was such a good call. That, I mean, really, honestly, like, and I'm not trying to win any points or anything. It's legitimate. Like, she was so bro- broken and hurt by the reaction by some of the Star Wars fans, and I wonder how many of those people were in the audience cheering her. Like, she was so broken by that to see the reaction from the fans and the people who. That's why this fandom is so great to see them all rally behind Kelly and give her a standing ovation, give her like claps and cheers, and you could see she was visibly honestly moved by it and it's fantastic because all of us all of us would kill to be part of a Star Wars franchise to have it turned the way yeah. it turned on her must have been such a terrible experience so to see the love that she got back a year later mm-hmm. is so incredible I'm changing I, my answer yeah <laughs> that's it I, like, I don't want to repeat that. That actually <laughs> was the very first time I teared up the entire panel, uh, either trailer or anything at all. But you, you could feel it in the room. That was like sure. another thing where you could just feel the love. And I mean, that's one of the great things about Star Wars Celebration overall, too. It's just, you know, in our conversations, I know everybody's heated about their, you know, their passion and their feelings about specific movies and characters, whatnot. And, you know, the Internet can be a pretty hostile place to have those discussions. That convention center is just packed with love good vibes and just the the hope and the desire to just encourage people to share Star Wars, what they love about it, and just really kind of celebrate the brand together, which is nice. But if I had to pick another moment that we haven't already talked about, I'm just going to give a little shout-out to The Mandalorian because to be able to see footage from that and to think... That is Star Wars. That is something different, and it's really exciting looking, and I can't wait to see more of it. That I mean... What better feeling to walk away from that panel with? Mm. So Disney Plus in November really can't come soon enough. I want that show now. I hate that you can't pay ahead of time. Mm. I would pay the seventy right now, <laughs> just in case. Just to ensure. Just to ensure that I'm, uh, you know, like <laughs> they're limiting be, access. Exactly. Yeah. I don't get kicked out of the queue or anything like that. I want to pay seventy right, right now. Give me your money. I'll hold on yeah. to it. Yeah. November <laughs> deal. All right, we're done here. Thank you guys so much for watching this show, Roka and Haley. As always, thank you for thank kicking you. off the thank week you. so strong here. Adam in the booth, you rock. You did a lot of work today, and you're awesome, guys. We love you too. Thank you so much supporting Movie Talk. Please tell everybody you know about us in video form, Collider Video. YouTube channel on the podcast feed as well. Like and share this episode. We will see you tomorrow, 4 p.m. PT live for a brand new episode. Napa know-how. At Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers, get a $25 prepaid Visa card when you get any Napa automotive battery. It's the best deal for some of the best batteries from some of the best car people around. But we might be a little partial. Anywho, pick up any Napa automotive battery and save 25 bucks. Do it yourself or have it done for you. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers. While supplies last, offer ends 831 Stay little chico, pit bull, Mr. 305, better said Mr. Worldwide, and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, From Negative to Positive, brought to you by my friends over at State Farm. I believe that to have success, you got to play the game, so that the game doesn't play you. You know, the biggest risk you take is not taking one. It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. 
State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. 